As we move from ski season to spring, it's time to get those mountain bikes out. Most ski families use season passes to make skiing more affordable and fun. If your family mountain bikes, there's a new way to save on those adventures too. Make the most of spring and summer in the mountains with Lone Pass, the premier North American mountain biking pass. Lone Pass gives you over 60 days of access to some of the best mountain biking destinations across the country. Use discount code SKIMOMS15 to save 15% off your family's Lone Pass today at LonePass.com. That's L-O-A-M-P-A-S-S dot com. Lone Pass is available in two versions, for kids ages 6 to 11 and the adult pass for ages 12 and up. The pass combines access to the most premier resorts, gets you into bike parks, and connects you to shuttle companies to get you where you need to be. It's the one pass you need to bring the best cycling to your family. Remember, you'll get two days at each of the resorts, parks, or shuttles, making the investment one that will pay off big. Remember to use code SKIMOMS15 to save 15% off your family's loan pass today. Welcome to the Ski Mom Fun Podcast. We're your hosts, Nicole and Sarah. Today, we are hosting Becky Munster-Sabke, and she has many interesting things about her, but a few of the things we're going to talk about today are her books and her passion for bringing snow sports to young children. So, Becky, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Nicole and Sarah. I'm thrilled to be here. So... We know you from the Little Rippers and also from um, Valedictorians at the Gate, which are two really different bookends of the parenting journey. You know, uh, you came to speak at um, the Green Mountain Valley School about the college process. And then I learned later that you have this book series called Little Rippers. So um, we'd love to talk to you about your ski journey and where we'll start off with where you learned to ski and, you know, how it became a part of your life. Yeah, so I'm a Jersey girl. I grew up skiing at a little mountain called Hidden Valley, which was great if you wanted to be a ski racer because it was ice, <laughs> mostly ice, and a lot of night skiing, but I loved it. And my father loved ski racing so much that he built a little rope tow in our New Jersey background uh, backyard. And so Ooh, Cochrane vibes. It was totally. <laughs> called Mighty Mount Munsterer. <laughs> um, my younger sister and the two of us we just grew up ski racing and we were you know we skied mostly in Hidden Valley but we were weekend warriors so we you know drive up and and uh it just became such a part of me and I I loved it so much you know I I was a serious ski racer from Jersey throughout um high school I went to the junior olympics you know I, I did the whole thing and I did not ski in college, interestingly. I went to Colby College and I loved it, but I decided not to ski. And yet I feel like, you know, as a lot of ski racers, former ski racers feel, you know, you grow up skiing in gates, skiing in gates, skiing in gates. And then when you when your ski racing career is over, whenever that is, you realize, wow, it's also fun to ski the moguls and ski the powder. And, and now I live in Vermont very close to the Dartmouth Skiway. Um, and so I ski a lot at the Dartmouth Skiway and at Burke Mountain, um, which is about an hour from here, but we love Burke. So I'm I'm still skiing my heart out 
today. So tell us about learning to ski. So you were really young and that was a hidden valley, but did you take lessons? Was it your dad? Yeah, my dad had a huge influence. And, you know, coming from a ski family, my mom was not a strong skier, but she she still tried and she still loved it. And she still, you know, God bless her, packed, packed our lunches every day and sat in ski lodges. My dad was, you know, a huge skier. He, um, he raced, you know, semi-professionally for a while. And so, I, you know, we grew up with the pressure of ski racing, but we loved it. I mean, I just loved it. And I met so many friends, um, which I think when we start talking about the Little Rippers, I mean, this is, I feel like the communities that you meet in the ski racing world have such a impact on you. And for me, I had my school friends and then I had my ski friends. And it was such a privilege to have those two worlds as a youngster, to just have people that, first of all, you know, weren't from my town. So I met people from all over with different experiences, different, you know, families and backgrounds and all of those things. And especially being in New Jersey, kind of being a weekend warrior, it was such a privilege to get to travel. I mean, I look back at how lucky I was to be in New Jersey and my dad would say, okay, you know, we're going to go to Massachusetts this weekend. It was thrilling just to drive to Massachusetts and ski in Massachusetts and um, figure out, you know, how to do that on a budget also. Um, and as a family, pack lunches, hop in the car, drive to Massachusetts. And I, you know, I thought I was in, you know, Mexico. It was so exciting <laughs> to just take a trip and be someplace different. And so I'm very grateful that my dad, you know, was able to kind of throw us in the car and figure out a way to do it. Yeah, we hear that a lot, that it's such a nice outlet for the kids, but also I think for the parents to have this whole other aspect of their social life, right? That's outside of school, a lot of times separate. I mean, that's how that's how Nicole and I met. And I don't know that we would have otherwise. And And so it's great for parents and for kids. And then it's like, I, I love like thinking about you, you know, being all excited to pack up to go to Massachusetts because like every you're just all having fun together. It's something everyone's looking forward to and you're all doing it together. So it's it's awesome. Yeah, we hear that a lot and we've had ex exactly that experience. So special. So tell us where the idea for the Little Rippers and tell us, tell us first of all what the book is and where you got the idea. So I um, I've always been a writer. And interestingly, like talking about ski dads, the first thing I ever had published was a little column in Ski Magazine entitled Ski Dads. <laughs> and it was about my dad. And, you know, you could hear these terms soccer moms, right? Soccer moms, soccer moms, soccer moms. And for me, you know, I had a ski dad. And, you know, with the conversation we were just having, like some of my most favorite memories weren't even actually maybe on the slopes. They were the rides to Massachusetts, right? We're all in the car and we've got all this gear everywhere and we're listening, you know, to my dad's choice of music and having conversations. And like, you know, a lot of it is happening, happening off the slope. And so long story short, I was an English major at Colby. I loved writing and I penned this little piece called Ski Dads. And it was about my dad and just his influence on me. And Ski Magazine published it. And I was, I mean, this is the biggest deal. This was winning an Oscar for, you know, for me, because it was so exciting. And I remember I told my mom and we didn't tell my dad because he, he subscribed to Ski Magazine and we wanted it to be a surprise. And so 
we were just waiting and waiting and waiting for the issue to come out. And when he read it, I bet he did, he would never admit to me that he probably shed a tear, but I think he probably shed a tear. It's the only thing that I've ever written that's framed in our house. But anyway, it kind of gave me the writing bug because I thought, wow, I can do this. And sometimes I was successful, sometimes I wasn't, but, you know, I became a writer and I, I, I always had a day job, which was college admissions. I worked at St. Lawrence University in upstate New York for a couple of years, and then I worked at Dartmouth for 13 years doing college admissions, but I was a writer on the side and I, I was a columnist for our local paper. I wrote for some travel magazines. I've, I had some success with publishing some things and yet I'm also a skier. And so um, one day I was at Sugarbush and I was standing online and this was before I had kids and I looked around and it was just kids for as far as the eye could see, right? All of these little rippers, right? Which is a term we all use, tons of helmets, tons of kids, everywhere were kids. And it was just this, I was standing with my dad, I was skiing with my dad, it was da daddy daughter day. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, there is no story about skiing kids that I can think of. Like maybe there, I think there was, um, there was actually, there was a Hardy Boys book about um, gold in the snow, about kids that were skiing out West. Like, you know, you could find little themed things, but I had this moment, even the word like little rippers. I was like, I've got to write a book called little rippers because there are a million kids here. This is a great setting for an adventure book. I'm a writer. I've got to try this. And so I um, wrote Little Rippers Volume 1 called Here Come the Little Rippers. And I knew even then, I was like, this is going to be a series. Even if no one buys this, th there's too, too much opportunity here. And so I wrote the book and I self-published it. I didn't even try to shop it around because I just thought to myself, um, this is a genre that I know. This is a, a world that I know. I'm just going to write the book. I'm going to self-publish it. I hired, I was working at Dartmouth, so I hired a Dartmouth studio, a student in the art department to illustrate the book. Oh, I love that. So was, clever. Well, and it was, it was clever for me <laughs> because I had the help, but also a great opportunity for the student because it was a real life, almost internship that I said, okay, we're going to do this. You know, I'm going to pay you X. We're going to have these deadlines. And so we, we did it. And I self-published the book and um, uh, I mean, I could go on and on, but it, it, I put it out there and people seemed to love it. And so it all started at Sugarbush on this lift line, surrounded by kids thinking, oh my gosh, we've, we've got to write a story for these kids. There's, there's so much opportunity here. And I've definitely seen it in a number of the gift shops at Mountains, which in, it's perfect. You want to pick up a little souvenir from your, your trip. And this is great. It's not something plastic. You know, it's going to have those memories. And I just envision like reading it as, you know, the kids are tucked in after a long ski day or getting excited about a ski trip that's coming up. I absolutely love the, the idea of it. So how many characters are in the book? Is it like a gang of, of little ski friends? Yeah, it's a gang of little ski friends. There are um, five little ski friends. But the, the truth is, I mean, when I came up with this idea, it was just so heavily influenced by these ski communities. I mean, our kids have these little gangs of ski friends, right? And it was so easy to write. It was, first of all, the easiest thing I've ever written because it just flowed out of me. Um, and secondly, I mean, I can say this, it's I'm so proud of these books. 
I have kept them self-published for a reason because I enjoy having control over them. I enjoy I enjoy knowing, you know, where they're going to be sold, how they're going to be marketed, what the pictures look like, what the um the like morals and ethics of them. I mean, I've 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 been lucky. I've written a lot of things and I've worked with big publishers. I've had worked with huge publish publishing houses. And this one just feels, you know, organically more important, not more important, but just more personal because it's it's for the kids. <laughs> and so I, you know, I've learned so much, um, as you mentioned, Nicole, like even selling them, you know, I don't necessarily need them to be in bookstores because I have the ski stores. And so Alta, Utah, the mountain out there, they they were one of the first places that um, sold my book at the mountain. And I remember thinking, this is amazing. <laughs> like, how do I get them to the mountains rather than worrying about bookstores? Um, the New England Ski Museum has been one of my best um, selling vendors. I, I'm in their little catalog. I'm on their online shop and I'm in their, you know, uh, brick and mortar shop. So it's so fun for me if I go ski at Cannon Mountain to see the book at the New England Ski Museum. Um I've had luck with Peter Glenn Sports, which is throughout kind of southern US. Um, and of course, you know, they're available on Amazon, which is where I sell a lot of them. But I, I'm so proud of them. And um I've sold over five thousand copies, which is huge in the book publishing world. And I, I you know, it, a lot of it is luck, but I also think finding uh, finding a, a niche market and having that audience already there is what um, has been very helpful. And so I'm, I'm very grateful, very grateful. So I, I can see them on Amazon. It looks like there's three three volumes right now. Yeah. Um, are, are you planning any more? Oh, yeah, always. <laughs> so the first book, um, because a lot of people ask me about writing books, right? A lot of people want to write children's books. They have great ideas. And I'm always telling people, do it. Like, you know, it's easy to talk about it. It's hard to do it, but just do it. And not to get into the details, but self-publishing now is super easy. I mean, Amazon has its own, that you can self-publish books that even if you just want to give them to your family members, I mean, it's that's the easy part. The hard, hardest part is sitting down and writing. And so I wrote uh, volume one, which is kind of the introduction, introductory book, and it takes place in Vermont. The second book is Go West, Little Rippers, and they take a trip to Colorado. And that was so much fun to write. I've been to Colorado a couple of times and just, you know, writing about the different scenery and even the, you know, the drive up Route 70 and seeing bighorn sheep, you know, that's, that's even fun. Um, and then my third one was uh, President's Day Palooza. And I just figured President's Day week ha have, <laughs> you know, it's such a ski holiday. And so I figured, hey, let's write about that as a, you know, so many kids are skiing during their break. And so um, there will be a volume four, there will be a volume five. I hope there are 10 of these. I, I uh, you know, I slowed down a little bit after I had my own kids because I have kids to take care of now, but I'm working, I'm hoping I'll have volume four out within the next calendar year. We'll be right back. Thank you to our sponsor, Mabel's Labels. Mabel's labels are a ski mom's must-have. Keep your kids organized and easily identify their equipment at lessons, practice, and races. Simply peel and stick the personalized labels on all your ski gear, including helmets, coats, goggles, and poles. They're guaranteed to last the ski season and beyond. 
Mabel's labels are waterproof and snowproof, laundry safe, they come with free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Off the Hill Mabel's labels are perfect for labeling any items that go to school or daycare, like water bottles, lunch boxes, clothes, shoes, and backpacks. Go to mabelslabels.com to personalize your own. Use code SKIMOMS at checkout for 15% off your purchase. Exclusions apply. Code is not valid on stamp, reflective, or sale items. And now back to our show. And how, how old are your kids now? Yeah, so I have a four-year-old and a six-year-old, and um, they love to ski. Uh, they're little rippers. And what's exciting is my six-year-old, he's in first grade, so he's just starting to read chapter books. And so we've just dipped into the little rippers, and it's so thrilling. I mean, it could make me tear up just because you write something and, and you hope that kids enjoy it. And then when you have your own kid who really likes it, I mean, it's just, there's nothing better. Let's take a quick break. Spring is here, and we know even after the snow melts, ski moms love to play outside. Skeeda, our favorite Vermont outdoor accessory brand, has you covered as the seasons change. This spring, Skeeda is celebrating its 16th birthday with fresh prints like the Pastel, Whimsical, and Plein Air collection. Our favorite pieces include the throwback headbands. This headband is made to keep hair and sweat off your face. The single-ply design gathers neatly in the back for maximum styling. Where it's scrunched or lay it flat, it's your perfect partner for any activity where you want a great pop of color and style with minimal fuss. For sunny days, we adore the Skeeda Brim Hat. This five-panel camp hat is the perfect grab-and-go companion. Made in a lightweight, water-repellent material, this hat is ideal for hiking, camping, and the beach. Whether you are cheering the kids on at a lacrosse game, exploring with your girlfriends, or simply walking in the woods with your loyal pup, Skeeda accessories are there to make Ski Mom life more fun. Save 15% off your order with code SKIMOMS15 at checkout. And so you wrote the first book before you had kids. Did you use any of your favorite names? Very important question. Like, did you use a name you were saving? So can I tell you, Nicole, that the names is one of the most fun parts because you can, you know, pay tribute to friends and, and you know, or, you know, pick a name you don't like for the bad guy. <laughs> I would never do that. Just kidding. Um, but yes, Ma, uh, the title characters, Max and Molly, Max was my dog at the time and Molly is my sister. Um, so yeah, I, you know, you pick names, but you also, I, I feel like Sugarbush itself had such an influence on me when I wrote the books, cause it was where I had the ideas. It was where I was skiing primarily. And so, um, you know, you try to kind of, when you write about the mountain, think about, I thought about Sugarbush a lot, kind of as my mountain, um, when I did go west, Little Rippers, um, it was more kind of a conglomerate of many Colorado mountains in my head. Um, but the names are fun. I mean, the adventure is fun. The acknowledgments at the end is so much fun to write. It's just actually sitting down and putting a pen to paper and writing it and then editing it. And um, I know we're talking to ski moms, but I do think so many moms out there want to write their own books. And I love talking to moms about you know, the editing process is grueling. And even today, I, I'm embarrassed to admit this, the second book, Go West Little Rippers, has a big mistake in it that I'm so embarrassed of. Um, I have the um, sun setting in the east um, in the book. 
and uh, a. Um, I hope it was for the sake of a rhyme. I hope it was a really good rhyme. I, you know, and I'm so embarrassed by it. And yet a reader found it. And it, that gives oh, no. me a bit of a thrill that it wasn't, if I would have found it, it would have ripped me apart. But the fact that a reader found it, I told that particular reader, you know, I, I you know, you are a good reader, right? It almost makes you allow to say to the kid, like, you, good for you. And it's not done what the only mistake I found in any of the three books, but you just think, like, you edit and you edit and you edit, and you're, there's always a comma in the wrong place. There's always, even writing um, President's Day Palooza, the amount of opinion from reputable sources on how the correct spelling of President's Day is supposed to be. It's I went, I don't even remember which one I went with, but there's like the official, you know, there's a million different opinions on how to correctly write President's Day. And, you know, for anyone out there who's thinking of writing a book, I mean, do I, it I, digitally. It's so much easier to edit and reload. <laughs> it's so much and, and just have a lot of readers. And for me, thankfully, again, I just learned so many people love skiing and so many moms love skiing. I passed this book around to so many ski moms, my sister, like my friends. And I said, can you read this? Can you just look for mistakes? Look for, you know, is the, is the sun setting in the right place, right? Or even the recipes I have at the back of the book, I wanted it to feel like an inner, like a fun book to read on a, on a trip. And so I have like chairlift activities at the end, which are games you can play on the chairlift. Oh, yeah. I have some, some recipes taken from things that are mentioned in the book. And even the recipes, like I had to go over a million times and, and have friends tell us because you it's one thing to write a book for yourself. It's another thing to put out in the world in the age of Amazon where people are going to rip you apart. It, it's fun to write, but the editing process is grueling. You could make it part of like, like almost make it like you did it on purpose, right? Like in every book, there's a mistake. See if you can find it. You know, like an Easter egg in a code, like yeah. when they do, you know, things like that. Like, cause you know, there's going to be one and you won't even know what it is. Right. right. <laughs> well, and I thought about, you know, it's very funny. Um, when these, when I first wrote these books, I went on a kind of ski lodge book signing tour. <laughs> And I, I'm not going to mention the mountains I went to. I went to a bunch of mountains and um, I had this idea. I would park myself in a ski lodge and I would have all the books for sale because where else, you know, what a great place to sell books, right? At lunchtime at these big mountains when there's a ton of little rippers running around. And it was awful. It went, I, I, I think I sold maybe five books and I went to probably five mountains. I mean, it was just such a waste of time. I had my then boyfriend, now husband with me. I don't know why he married me. <laughs> epic fail of like, I'm going to go park in, in lodges and sell all these books. And it was so humbling. And and to this day, I don't know. I think people were just busy buying lunches and trying to get back out to the mountains that they weren't really interested in coming, talking to an author, trying to peddle her book, but it was awful. And I, I barely sold any. And yet I find I sell a ton of them just by word of mouth. And I think, you know, if, if, if someone in the, you know, racing program at Mountain X loves it, I find that I sell a lot of them in, because you can see online, like where you're selling them, like that whole zip code will buy them. And you're like, okay, so it's all, it's, it is these communities, like me sitting in a lodge, smiling at people, trying to get them to buy my book is not as powerful as one little ripper in some little program reads it and likes it and tells his mom and a mom tells another mom. And all of a sudden, you know, you have your holiday stocking stuffers and I sell a bunch of books and it's so exciting. 
And I am not doing it for the money. It's embarrassing how little money I make off these books. I mean, it's a joke, but it's the thrill. It's the thrill of just knowing that this little ski club in little town X, you know, I've sold 62 books to, and I don't know anybody there. And it's it's just this like, thankfully organic thing that's happening. But it was humbling to just sit there and try to sell books to these ski lodges and be surrounded by little rippers and everybody's walking right past me going to the newspapers. I think the flaw in your strategy there was that we already have too much to carry already. Yeah. When we're at the ski resort, like, I don't have any yeah. room for a book. I can't, yeah. I don't have a free hand yeah. for a book. Yeah. So like, I need to get the book shipped to me yeah. from Amazon. <laughs> yes. We don't have yes. any room for anything more. Yes. When the first book came out, I made t-shirts that said the little rippers. I made bumper stickers that made the little rippers. Oh, you're I, losing you're losing so much money at this point. I, have you, I have you even spending, broken even yet? Yes, I was spending so much money. And okay, this is embarrassing too. I, I got a P.O. box because I was sure I was gonna get fan mail. <laughs> And it was for the little rippers. And I, I, so in the back of the books, in the first versions, they're not in there anymore, actually. You can tell if you have an earlier version or a later version. It said, please send snail mail to P.O. Box, blah, 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 blah. And, um, and I got like nothing. And so I had to cancel the P.O. Box, change the text in the books to say this no longer, you, you know, this no longer exists. But I did get, I would say probably like one or two letters. And those kids, whoever it was who wrote me fan mail, got a t-shirt, a bumper stick. Like they got packages. Because <laughs> I was like, you are amazing. And even now, I, you know, those Little Rippers t-shirts, I kept a couple of them for my own kids. But if I saw one kid who maybe had the book in his hand in the lodge, it was like, here is the whole world for you. All the swag. Because, you know, you get so excited. And yet, you know, it, it, it takes some time. Well, I love this. And I also have a little um, little theory about the psychology of, behind why these books were so important to you, because you were dealing with college admissions, which is not fun and stressful. And, you know, I'm sure like you had some crazy parents. So this, you're like, I want to stay in this world where things are nice and there's hot cocoa yeah. and, you know, the, yeah. the problems can be solved sometimes with M&Ms in the pockets. Um, yeah. So I, yeah. I can definitely see why you gravitated to this world though. Your other job is, is very um, important as well. But I love, I do also love the fact that your kids are seeing you, you know, still be passionate about this creative project. Um, that makes you so happy and that you're so involved in, because I think they learn a lot from seeing that, you know, we've talked to a number of entrepreneurs and the impact that it has on their families is really important. And other women, you know, encouraging, you know, you saying, go for it if you've got that book idea, um, or if you've got that product idea, you know, don't wait for somebody else to do it. Um, maybe don't get the PO box, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it is. It's so, I, I mean, how wonderful is skiing as a community for moms? Because there are so many op opportunities for entrepreneurship, right? From creating, you know, like, you know, that are some, you know, some woman starts sewing hats with great designs. And the next thing you know, she, it takes off, right? To, you know, these books. I mean, it, there are so many opportunities for women, uh, you know, in so many disciplines. But I think skiing particularly... You know, a lot of people, I feel like in the, you know, years and years ago, ski moms were hanging, I'll talk about my own family, right? My mom was in the lodge. My dad was on the slopes, right? 
And now, like, I feel like there are so many women on the schools who are seeing firsthand also like, oh, these hand warmers aren't working for my kid. How do I think, how do I invent a better way to do this, right? That's how invention happens. And I think for me, I was on the slopes. I was a writer already. I looked around and I said, wow, there are a million kids here. A mountain is the perfect place for an adventure. There are no other books like this. Let me give this a shot. And you know, I'd be lying to say, like, I'm I'm trying to get this made into something animated right now. And I'm talking, you know, who knows? Like fingers crossed. I don't I don't really care because I'm just so thrilled that it's a book, but it would make a great animated series. And nobody is gonna hold me back from just throwing it out there and trying because if you don't try, you'll never know. And if you don't ask, you'll never know. And I feel like most of the luck I've had is trial and error, right? I can't sell the books in the lodge sitting there smiling at people, but wow, like I can sell the books if I, you know, randomly send one to some, you know, ski club at blah, blah, blah mountain, and then they kind of get passed around. And so um, I just tell everybody, try, try, try. And I think for ski moms, particularly, you know, it's when you're outside with kids and it's a cold day, you're going to learn quickly how important it is to come up with good ideas, right? And so why not be entrepreneurial and and, and take those ideas and, and share them and see what happens? So tell us a little bit about, you know, just skiing with your kids. You said you like to ski up at Burke and you're near the Dartmouth Skiway. Just, you know, what, what does that look like for you all? Do you go up there every weekend? Are you teaching them? Just give us a little overview. Yeah. So we, so the Dartmouth Skiway is um, a great place to learn. It's, I mean, it's a great place to ski, but it's also a great place to learn for these little kids. And thankfully, I mean, they have a lot of generous programs for little kids here. One of the, if you live in the town of Lyme, which is where the Dartmouth Skiway is, you get a free pass. I mean, it's, it's a great, it really encourages a lot of the kids, the local kids to learn and ski. And so um, I was thrilled to take my kids over there. I was thrilled to get them on that magic carpet. Um, I think for me, you know, with these little kids, I'm already seeing my children um, want to, uh, you know, they want to do more. Right? They, they want to get on that high speed quad. Right? They want to get off the magic carpet and do the next thing. And they're so imaginative. And this goes back to the books. But my younger, my daughter who's younger, she's four. And when we're on the chairlift, she is sure she knows where a Yeti lives. She talks about this Yeti, right? Which we've all, I mean, I remember that when I was little, like I remember we'd make up these crazy stories about things that lived on the mountains or, oh, don't take that run because you'll end up at blah, 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 blah. And that's literally my first book is all about like the magic run that you take and then you end up in a weird place, right? There's a little bit of this magical kind of realism in the and um, and I hear her talk, like, we'll be on the chairlift, and she's like, Mom, the Yeti, like, the Yeti lives up here. You know, where do you think he is? What do you think? And, like, we talk about, I make stuff up, right? Like, oh, the Yeti only eats candy corn. Don't worry. He doesn't eat children. Like, we just talk about stuff. Like, but it is. It's an, the mountains are so magical. And they, for, when you're with a kid, you also realize how big they are that I think we all take for granted, right? I think, you know, on those beautiful days at the top of, you know, Sugarbush, when the mountains are covered with that powdery snow and we're just thinking, oh, we're so lucky we got the powder day. And they're thinking, it looks like marshmallows, mom, right? Like they, just to be able to hear them talk about skiing, talk about what they love, what they don't love. Um, I love at the Dartmouth Skiway, right before you get off the lift, there are these rocks that to me just look like, you know, like I don't think about them. They're just kind of big boulders that are right under where you get off the, the lift. Every kid 
at the Dartmouth Skiway calls them the rocks of doom. <laughs> and I don't know where it came from. We joke. We're like, who started this? Like every kid. And there's this rule that you can't take your lift your bar until you've passed the rocks of doom, which first of all is a great rule for parents because your kid isn't lifting the bar too quickly. But every kid knows it. And you'll go up with any kid and they'll be like, don't lift the bar up before the rocks of doom. And the way they say it is just that, you know, rocks of doom. And it's so funny to me. And in my next book, I you bet that I'm putting in the rocks of doom because you just, you experience these mountains in a way that is so imaginative through these kids that um, see things for so much more than they are. And it's, it's fun. It's really fun. I have this picture of the Dartmouth ski way that it runs down into like some quad and the kids can ski to class. Um, that's like the visual I've never seen it, but I just associate Dartmouth with skiing so much. Um, I, it's probably not close to campus though. It's not, unfortunately, it's a bit of a drive, but yeah, Dartmouth, I mean, when we were talking about college admissions, I mean, it, it's just so rooted in skiing and has so much ski history and, um, you know, working at the college, I mean, I, I had a ski poster from the Dartmouth Carnival in my professional office, right? Because it's just so rooted in, in that history. Um, unfortunately, it's not right. at the, It's a bit of a drive, but um, it's fun. It's also fun for the kids to be there and see a bunch of college students who are learning to ski, right? So many kids who are learning to ski. I was the director of international admissions. And it was fun for me to see international students from places where, you know, they've never seen snow be at the Dartmouth Skiway taking a ski lesson for PE credit. <laughs> oh, I, I love that. And yeah. was it, were the lessons taught by students? Is that a way you could like get a part-time job? Yep. yep. You can get a part-time job, the ski patrollers, the ski instructors. Yeah. It's, it's very rooted in kind of um, opportunities for Dartmouth and, and, you know, locals who, you know, need jobs as well. But um, yeah, it's a fun, it's, it's, it's a fun place to raise little rippers for sure. And is there just like, is it one of those places that kids really would have a hard time getting uh, lost? You know, is there just kind of uh, everything goes into one base area? Well, it's very lodge. funny. It's funny. The, um, there's actually a, a road that goes between the Dartmouth Skiway. There's kind of a, two sides to it. And um, so you're not going to lose your kid, but there is a road that drives through. I mean, it's, 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 you know, everyone there, it's your local place. There's also Whaleback Mountain. I want to give a shout out to Whaleback that everyone drives by on 89 North. Um, it's, you know, another little local mountain and they, um, they had a great, they still have a great uh, Thursday night race league, which I did before kids um, for a lot of folks and uh, local students and um Lots of groups from like local employers because um, the race league is always fun too. And um, yeah, so I, I'm very lucky. I mean, I feel like the Upper Valley, which is where I live, which is kind of Hanover, New Hampshire, where the college is and then all of the surrounding towns. You know, we have Whaleback, we have the Dartmouth Skiway, and, you know, we have a bunch of mountains that are only about 45 minute drive, Killington, for example. So there, there are a lot of ski families here. And I'm also grateful, you know, for any sort of kind of opportunities these mountains are giving those who don't have the resources to do so. So that's also kind of nice. That's a big advantage that those, I was looking out the window yesterday and I could see the school buses pulling up to Sugarbush. Um, I know that they work with Mad River Glen and they work here uh, at Sugarbush, um, but it's, you know, if you're not offering those lessons and those passes to uh 
you know, the grade school kids, you're not going to get the next generation of skier because not everybody and not every family can afford it. I think these, you know, the fifth and sixth and seventh grade ski free programs are essential as well. But, um, you know, for the locals you know, taking advantage of those programs, it's huge. And it's you know one of the reasons people choose to live in smaller towns, because there are some of those um, advantages to to being up in the mountains all year round. So can you tell us a little bit about your nonfiction book and and the path that you took to, you know, what what uh, what was your path to, to, to writing that and what inspired you? I had written a op-ed for the that got picked up by the New York Times called Check This Box If You're a Good Person. And it was um, right after I left admissions, I had just had a baby. I think it was the maternal hormones in me were flowing because I wanted to write a op-ed about the most memorable recommendation letter I read during um, my years in college admissions, which was from a high school custodian. And the reason it stood out to me is because the high school custodian talked about how this one particular applicant was the only kid in however many years he had worked at that school who bothered to learn his name. And so I think with these maternal hormones flowing, I decided I wanted to write something I would remember as I became a mom about the pressures of college admissions, about what should matter in our kids. And so I wrote this op-ed, not thinking much of it. And the next thing you know, it went viral. And um, I was being approached by publishers, big book publishers, saying, this needs to be a book. Um, you you know, you know, need to talk about like the goodness in kids and the kindness in kids. And um, I know we're on a podcast, so people can't hear me, but I have some college pennants behind me that say kindness, curiosity, and be a nice human. And so I started writing a book. And granted, I had a baby who was like three months old. And so this took a really long time. And I, I wrote a book about kind of how intangible qualities matter, you know, more than getting into Harvard or kind of the, the pressures of this college process. And when I finished the book, my publisher said to me, you know, this is great. And yes, we need to remember all of these things. However, kids still need to sit down and write an application. So you need to give them some prescriptive advice as well. And so I rewrote half of the book, keeping all the good parts about like, here's what matters in our kids, but also, okay, you know, you are going to have to write an essay. And so let's talk about like the best um, practices to finding an essay that really suits you. And so I, I wrote this, I call it a hybrid book of here are some feel good stories to help you breathe and help you realize that, you know, the college admission is not the end point here, right? This is not... You don't get into college and it makes you more worthy or more important or more smart than any other kid. Like these are co colleges are making business decisions. Like how do we navigate this with sanity, knowing that what matters is investing in yourself for the sake of your education, regardless of what college admits you. And yet, how do I also help you to put forward your best authentic and thorough application? And so I worked um, on that book. It came out about a year and a half ago. And it was picked up by a major, you know, big New York City publisher. I went on a big book tour and I'm still, um, I go around and I speak to schools about doing both, right? Keeping perspective, knowing what matters. And yet, how do you also, you know, put forward your best authentic and thorough application? And so it's very different than The Little Rippers. So it's fun to kind of escape in The Little Rippers. And then, you know, when I'm more serious and I have to put on my research head and my legal head, you know, to go back to the admissions work as well. I'm very excited that more so that you're you're sharing your love of the mountains in this super specific way with um, generations to come. And we'll, we'll have to connect you with our friends at Share Winter because it would be great to um, get these books in the hands 
friends of families that don't traditionally get invited to the mountains um, and uh, normally don't get exposed to winter sports. So maybe that's a nice connection for you. I would love to expose them. I just, like I said, I'm doing this because it's fun. And because I want these kids to have these, I want them to, to still be imaginative on the chairlift and think about, you know, I have, a, you know, a magical tucking tunnel in one of my books where the kids disappear into this tucking tunnel where they can tuck in and they pop out. And 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 that's what I wish I had when I was a little ripper is, are these books that would just kind of enhance my own imaginative story. So if I can get these in the hands of anybody who wants them just, you know, contact me. I'm at beckysabke.com and I'm happy to kind of work with anybody who wants to be a partner. We always finish our podcast asking about what apres ski looks like. So it sounds like it's really changed. You had um, the racing years and the single years and now the family years, but is there an, an apres ski tradition now that you, you keep? You know, so there's an Aerosmith song called Sweet Emotion. And I'm not going to sing it because I'm a terrible singer, but that song, for whatever reason, my, like, I, I don't, uh, I feel like my mom, every time she, and she wasn't a big skier, but when she'd ski, she always sang, you know, um, the sound of music, like that, she would sing it in her head and that was her song. And I feel like people have these little soundtracks, like my son, who's only six years old. I don't even, we've ne he's never seen the movie, but the song Danger Zone from Top Gun. <laughs> like the kid sings Highway to the Danger Zone. I don't even know how he knows the song. But for me, that Aerosmith song, sweet emotion, right? It's in my head when I've, my whole life, it's in my, it's in my head. And I don't know if it's the pace of my turns or whatever. And so I do feel like that song usually gets played either on the way to the ski area or on the way home. And it just is kind of always in my rotation. And so sure there's hot chocolate. Usually there's chocolate chip cookies, but I feel like when I was single, when I was young, when I was married and even now, like sweet emotion <laughs> comes out somehow. And sometimes it's on the drive home. I've just got to play, kind of get it out of my head. Just ears back to whatever I'm doing. Now. I would say that's my kind of my opera weirdo, um, thing that kind of comes out. I love that. I don't think we've heard, we've heard that before. Have we, Nicole? That's <laughs> no, that is definitely, that is definitely a new one. I love that. <laughs> well, we will, we'll definitely link to your books so our listeners can find them and we'll, um, we'll be excited to, you know, I'll definitely, if you've got the fourth copy in your brain, I'll definitely be one of your, your proofreaders. I'd love Yay. that. I'll um, have to name some characters, Nicole and Sarah. In the, in the, in the book. That would be and I won't Amazing. make you the Yetis. How's that? I will, I'll make you the good characters. I kind of like to be a Yeti. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Sarah, I also have to say, um, you, it's very hard to take you seriously in your pink gaming chair today. I know. I know. It's more comfortable than some of the other chairs I have. This Thank was you. more fun than it should have been. So I'll talk Thank to you. Thank you. I know. People always, they always say like, oh, you know, what should I be prepared with? I was like, we're just going to talk. So don't worry about it. <laughs> Want more of the Ski Moms? Be sure to subscribe to the Apres Ski Podcast with Sarah and Nicole. Click the link in the show notes for more information. Thank you so much for listening to the Ski Moms Fun Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Head to the SkiMomsFun.com website to check out our swag and find out more about our community. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at Ski Moms Fun. We'll be back next week with more interviews and insights. Thanks, Snow. Thank you.
No one works as hard as a ski mom. With Mother's Day right around the corner, we want to remind everyone to shop the Ski Moms gift guide for the best ideas. These are the gifts we want to give and get for Mother's Day. Prices range from under $10 for simple treats like notepads to big splurges like a new boot bag. Remember, the big day is Sunday, May 12th, so you want to shop now to make sure everything gets there in time for mom. Visit the SkiMomsFun.com gift guides page or click the link in show notes to see our picks for this year. Make it easy for your kids, partner, or spouse and just forward them the link. Or better yet, treat yourself to something from our expertly curated Ski Mom wish list. Remember, visit SkiMomsFun.com and look for the gift guide page. Mm-hmm.